Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. All right, time for our episode of Two Dudes... In a kitchen, even though both these dudes aren't in the kitchen right now, but we will be at some point uh, later in the day. I'm Wells. I'm alongside Tyler Florence. How's it going? You'd be so proud of me, dude. Okay. I was in charge of the New Year's evening like meal, and I had made this amazing prime rib roast for Christmas. And I was like, I'm going to do this again. It was so simple. Uh, By the way, the hack for cooking is having the digital thermometer that like, you can leave in the entire night and then just have like one of those little beepers that tells you what the temperature is. It makes exactly so much freaking easier. Anyways, mm-hmm. I was making this prime rib and I was roasting a chicken, but the power went out. So no oven. We did have a range and we had an outdoor grill that was, mm-hmm. that had four feet of snow on top of it. And I swear to God, you're going to think that this is crazy, but I was able to roast the chicken and the prime rib in the barbecue and it was delicious i love that listen that they, they say in the kitchen if it comes out a, a little rare you call it carpaccio and you keep on going yeah you know so it, it's not <laughs> it's not about the mess up it's about the recovery right so i think if something like that happens i think it's a really really great way to think about that because listen with extreme weather that's happening coast to coast. We're here in California, but I know exactly what that's like to be able to pivot to say, okay, we don't have electricity, but we got gas outside. I got a full tank and to be able to kind of move. And, and another thing, if that ever happens again, uh, you can just take the prime rib and literally cut into ribeye steaks yeah, and grill it, you know, and just keep on going again. And so, you know, as long as the, the people outside having dinner enjoy themselves and they don't have to see you sweat. I think that's a really great sign of, of, of a great cook that can just pivot on a dime and keep on going. Good for you, my well, friend. That's thank great. You. Awesome. I, was very, yeah. I was very proud of myself. I was, I, when we were doing it, I was like, you know who would, who would love this? Tyler would be so proud of me right now. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. And that's, I love it. Is. That's great. Well, we were in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. We, uh, we launched Miller and Lux and Hawaii at the four seasons. Wow. Uh, yeah, we I launched a restaurant over the break, uh, which which was crazy. Crazy. Well, considering technically we launched two, you know, because we were, we opened in Vail, Colorado, Vail, yeah, and, yeah, and then we also opened 
and Hawaii at the same time. And so that was that was as challenging as opening a restaurant could ever possibly be. And they are all a challenge in their own way. Uh, but this one was super special considering the Four Seasons is such a an elite group to partner with. And, uh, you know, we got a chance to open up with with their their team and their logistics and our creativity and, and our team uh, kind of matching forces. And, and we just did a open a blockbuster restaurant there. So I'm very, very proud of it. So is the Vale one open? Vale's open. Vale's been open for about three weeks right now and okay. killing it, uh, doing really, really strong numbers every day. And we just got an amazing write-up in the Vale Daily. By the way, they, they called Miller and Lux Vale, Vale's new decadence, which, is, which was kind of a nice write-up. I was really super proud about that. And then uh, Miller and Lux Hawaii is uh, just su- such a beautiful, beautiful, uh, prestigious property. I, I think it definitely it's going to be the best uh, restaurant on the big island of Hawaii. Uh, but uh, we we love for it to be the best restaurant in the state of Hawaii too. So it, it's going to be great. Well, twenty twenty three starting gangbusters for you. Do you have any um resolutions or like was it just to open up two restaurants and you did that already? So now you can just chill. Well, you, you know, um, we always take life a year at a time, and I know yeah. it's it, it can be a little nerve wracking to kind of plan your life that way. Um, but we always kind of leave ourselves open to the universe a bit uh, to be able to, you know, make room for new opportunities as they come. Now there is no such thing as luck. So like luck is opportunity meets preparation and you're either prepared for the opportunities when they come or not. So whatever you think you, your resolution should be, I think they should be uh, goal driven um, to not just sort of say everybody wants to lose weight. Everybody wants to learn a foreign language. Everybody wants to learn to play piano. Everybody wants to get more sleep, of course. But I think your your drive should be to push your personal brand forward, to push you know your life balance uh, forward, where you you feel like you're happier in a way where you're achieving more. And and the, as the restaurants start to kind of uh, you know, present themselves and the new opportunities, like we're we're working harder than we've ever worked. Ever, I've I've never worked harder in my life. You know, at the age of fifty-one, where we we've got the floor on the gas pedal, uh, the gas pedal on the floor, like really kind of pushing hard to kind of get all these things uh, uh, open and and rolling, and uh, never been happier with the feeling that you know not only are we you know being uh, uh, being successful, but this is like really great progress. And and so I think that those are my goals, uh, j- just to kind of you know keep ourselves open to the universe you know, keep working as hard as we possibly can and, uh, and, and keep pushing forward. So it feels great. How about you, man? What, what are your big goals for the year? Well, uh, the ones that you said earlier are definitely, I'm going to try to do, uh, I'm, I can speak Spanish pretty well, but I want to get really, really good at it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really going to, I'm going to focus in on that. Obviously I, everyone wants to be healthier, but I think kind of going back to what you're talking about in the whole universe thing, I want to put out more positivity in the world this year than I put out last year. Now it's not saying that I put out n- no positivity, but I do think that uh, good vibrations and like positive energy being pushed out um, comes back at you. Tenfold. Yeah. Comes back to you tenfold without a question. So I definitely want to focus on being like uh, more of a delight for everyone around me, you know, and um, that's my 2023 goal and to, um, you know, be a little bit healthier, maybe drink a little bit less too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and well, I, I think a lot of those consumption things, I, I think, you know, that those are, those are definitely some immediate problem fixes, right. For, for, for a lot of things, right. To kind of think about, especially as we start to get a little older, right. You start to be a little more careful about what kind of what you put in your body. Cause everything really, really starts to matter. 
You know, um, you know, uh, the, the, the hangover, which used to be 24 hours is now yeah. about three to four days. And so like drinking has to be an incredibly special occasion yep. or a really, really great bottle of wine. Other than that, like I, I don't casually drink anymore at all. Just cause like every day is really important and, and it, it affects my sunshine. Right. It affects my positive light. Right. Yeah. So if I, if I feel like whatever, for whatever reason, I'm not, you know, being myself, I think sometimes you have to look uh, at yourself first and foremost and say, okay, what, what did I either, what did I do to cause it or what could I have possibly done to improve the situation? And I think having a positive outlook should be everybody's number one goal because it's so easy to do. Right. Yeah. It's so easy just to look at it. It's whatever it is. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Right. Whatever is coming up in your life. It's it's there's always a way out. There's always a better. There's always a way to fix it. There's always a way to communicate better. And whatever happens with our teams as we're really starting to manage restaurants in different cities in America right now. I always tell everybody, listen, we're a phone call away from solving everything. And also another really important goal, which I think is 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 really important is to whatever whatever happens today that that is an opportunity to to improve your outcome and and we could reclassify those as like problems that sort of materialize try your hardest to get those knocked out today right so what so because tomorrow's coming for you right so tomorrow's got its own you know uh own um you know uh, challenges it's going to unleash that you don't even know is coming yet so i think it's really important to sort of take today and go but before i go to bed today i'm gonna take these things that kind of popped up today and we're, i'm gonna get them smoothed out I'm going to get them taken care of. We're going to get this communicated. We're going to get this polished. So tomorrow is a full clean slate and to not let these things sort of stack up because that's where life can feel a little heavy sometimes if you let these problems just sort of mount. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, like kind of putting out positive vibes into the universe later in the episode, we're going to have John Cannell, who was originally a math and science teacher who pivoted over to become a food blogger, food influencer, who now has over 8.5 million subscribers and viewers, which is insane. And I'm so excited to talk to him because his story is so freaking cool. Yeah, the preppy kitchen. Yeah, this yeah. guy's so great. If, you, if you're not following him, I think he's such a, he's a natural instructor, right? This guy was a math and science teacher. And now he's really kind of following his true passion, which I just, I just love this whole story. Because A, he's really, really good at it. And and the, this level of like communication is he's such a professional at it too. And he didn't even know he was capable at it until he tried, which I just love. Yeah. So yeah. that's coming up a little bit later on two dudes in the kitchen. But first, I thought since is the beginning of the new year, we could start talking about 2023 food trends. Now, right off the bat, do you have any any thoughts uh, or predictions of what some food trends will be this year? Well, I, I think it's going to be really interesting because right? right now we're we're sort of dealing with you know kind of a kind of an economics you know situation. I think a lot of people um, may or, or haven't you know it's either hit them, it's either already hit them, or it's about to hit them. But I I, I think there, there's going to be a tightening of the belt um, across the board in in a lot of ways that I, I think people are going to you know start um, you know um, thinking through how they're going to be cooking at home more. Um, which is going to be really, really interesting to start to play out. So I, I think that's going to be a big trend in 2023. It's just, you know, um, people with this homesteading vibe of how they're going to be, you know, like m making a little go really, really far from a budgetary standpoint, 
cooking at home, cooking with the kids. I think because it happened uh, early in the pandemic um, where a lot of people were just like cooking with their family. And I think, you know, because the situation was so bad, but I think that the silver lining and all of that was the connection uh, that everybody made with their, with their children and with their parents and with their, you know, their, their own little bubble in a way um, as far as kind of cooking with the family. So I think that's going to be a big trend in 2023, um, which uh, I, I think has some positivity to it. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What are your thoughts on faux meat? Because I feel like that's been big in the past couple of years. And I wonder if it's going to be even bigger in 2023. I, I think it, it, it's going to be really, really big in, in, in a lot of ways. And I, I think the faux meat industry is, is going to expand to really, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but we're going to be able to manufacture um, um, replacement parts for our, our human body um, out of T cells in a laboratory, right? So the way you go get fitted for shoes, um, you could go get fitted for, you know, for a new heart or new kidneys or new uh, a new liver. I mean, obviously, it's a little far off down the road, but right now they're really manufacturing like live you know, tissue that could, you know, be a human ear replacement or a digit or a finger or whatever it is. So I, I think like the, the, the meat, and I know it's kind of a weird thing to kind of pivot back and forth from that, but I think that the science is producing uh, some really kind of valuable stuff, including, you know, protein that's consumable um, in, in, in a way that, that feels um, kind of like revolutionary. So I, I think the difference between, you know, faux meat and, and laboratory produced protein, I think there's two different industries there that I think are both are really, really industry, interesting. And one I'm kind of for, and one the other one I, I kind of have a problem with. And I think that like the, the, the plant-based meat industry, I, I think has kind of existed in this uh, unaccountability way, you know, because everybody says like, okay, so it's plant-based, so it's got to be healthy for you. And technically, if you start to kind of look at the nutritional facts on that, um, yes, it has less saturated fat and less salt. But if you look at the ingredients, I, I would argue it's less nutritious um, than actual, you know, on the ground protein because I'm, I'm a whole foods advocate Right. Like I, I like, you know, food that's like you can recognize it, you can see it. You know, I, I like ingredients that have like one label and that's exactly what it is. Um, so if you start like looking at the back of a label, some uh, plant based in, ingredients, and I challenge anybody to sort of answer the question, like, what is it exactly? Right. I mean, like if you say it's a plant based burger or impossible burger, do you know what's in that? Soy. Right. I don't know. And this is the thing about it. Like nobody really, really knows. And, and one thing in particular, which, which was kind of weird, because what we had, we were approached last year by a company that was producing uh, plant-based chicken nuggets. And they were kind of looking for a celebrity chef endorser to hop on board. And, you know, we, I, I got the product of the house, baked them up and, and it was okay. But it was really just kind of, it just kind of felt like rubbery. If you ever look that up, it's, it's tree pulp. Really? Yeah, it's like so. It's ground up trees as as a bulk filler, in artificial flavors and artificial ingredients and soy base and whatever it is, right? So, so my thing is, I don't know if I want to eat that because I don't even know if I necessarily know what it is. So, the, the idea of being holistic with plant based stuff, I think in reality, I think some of these things are like incredibly manipulated in laboratories and and just modified, manufactured, man made goo really just shaped into a chicken nugget and so, so i think this you know cheap food that's filling that's not necessarily as nutritious uh, although it may have less fat I, I don't think it has as much as like real uh you know uh real calories uh that i think people need that's my thing now now um lab produced meat protein i i think there's going to be a real industry for that have you tried that yeah, no, I, I think it's great. So, so there's the difference between the two, right? So there's, and this is the big trend. So I, I think lab produced um, meat products 
are going to be uh, really, really, really interesting because they are what they really are. They're just sort of grown in a different environment, right? So instead of uh, like a, a calf that's produced sort of traditionally, this is like meat that's like grown in a laboratory, but you know, but under you know under a microscope and, and it's grown with the stem cells and T cells. Like it's a real price, real beef. It's real beef. Now it, it's going to be difficult to turn that into a ribeye per se. I think a lot of it's going to be sort of like in, in the ground meat industry thing. Like now that I think has a real potentially um, way to feed millions and millions of people. Um, that I, I think it's going to be better for the environment. But I, I think traditional like plant based stuff to me just it, it always sounded fishy. It's always kind of come across as like a little like weird. You can't really explain it. Like possible meats, impossible burgers, and we've been approached for them. It's a it's a um, a San Francisco based company and I applaud them because they're making money, but okay. So do you know what, do you know what chicken tastes like? Right? Yes. Yeah. You know what pork tastes like? Yeah. Do you know what beef tastes like? Duh. Oh, yeah. You know what these things taste like? Right? Yeah. So, so to me, like an impossible burger tastes like a meat I've never had before. Yeah. It tastes, it tastes like an animal. I, I just can't identify where this comes from in a way. And then, and so, and if I'm so obsessed with like a plant-based culture, I'd rather eat plants. You know, I'd, I'd rather eat vegetables and have to like have some sort of like fake burger that is really fake. It's fake in flavor, fake in color, fake in everything. I'd rather have something that's real. And and that that's my that's my big trend. I think one's going to blow up and I think one's going to I think one's going to run out of gas, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, if it, if they are able to make a steak in a laboratory where they're not having to kill a cow, then people, I would, I don't know if this is just be true, but people who are vegetarian or vegan might feel better about that because they're not really hurting any animals, but you get the benefit of enjoying that real protein. Without a question. That's a very, very interesting new industry uh, that that's evolving rapidly in a lot of ways. And, and something that I could really kind of get behind as a culinarian and say, okay, great. I could, I not only could I, would I feel okay about eating this, but I could theoretically see this putting on a menu somewhere. Um, but it, it, it's not there yet from a capacity standpoint. Like we couldn't get enough of that to like put on a menu. Right. Cause it doesn't exist in volume. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I've tried it, uh, laboratory produced meat. I think that's going places. And I predict that I think plant-based, whatever, I think will eventually start running out of gas. It, it'll it'll feel like a food trend. Let's talk spices. Do you have any uh, prognostications on what the uh, the hot spice of twenty twenty three will be? Um, you, you know, I, I think togarashi is is going to start having a moment. Um, and so togarashi is it's a Japanese spice blend uh, made with like citrus peel. It's usually orange and uh, toasted nori, uh, which is the seaweed wrapper that comes around uh, sushi. Uh, but ground down to a powder and sesame seed and chili flakes. And if you haven't had a chance to try it yet, I think it's so delicious. And it's got like it's full of zest and it's got like that umami bomb from the the nori and you know a little chili pop and also the citrus. I think it's really, really great. Now my favorite breakfast on planet Earth, I'm not gonna lie, is like a soft boiled egg uh, with togarashi and then a little bit of soy sauce. And I think it's fantastic. So I think togarashi is gonna have a moment in 2023. I think a lot of people's 2023 resolutions will be to be more adventurous, to get out, to try different new things. At least that's what I think mine always is like that. Um, what's a food trend or like a new culinary experience that's taking off that people definitely need to try that they normally wouldn't? You know, like, I guess like Fa had its moment a couple of years ago and um, yeah. Korean barbecue was big a couple of years ago. What's some kind of like weird, different cultural food trend that's going to be happening in 2023 20, that people need to go try? 
I think um, um, Filipino food is because right now it is one of the hottest culinary trends here in San Francisco. Um, there's an amazing, very large uh, Filipino population here in San Francisco, and they bring the culture like their food is spectacular. And so and it's sort of a mixture between, you know, like Chinese and Spanish. It's kind of like this interesting hybrid, um, but it's 100 percent amazing. And I think Filipino food is going to have a real big skyrocket pop nationwide uh, in 2023. Ooh, I don't know if I've ever had Filipino food. It's great. Look it up. I mean, so there, there's definitely like a lot, lots of like really kind of interesting um, um, flavor profiles. But if you had to kind of, you know, uh, uh, think about the trade winds of the different countries that have sort of floated through there and kind of planted their flag on the ground for a period of time, um, they've all kind of left their culinary mark. Um, and it started to create like a really interesting hybrid uh, that I, I think makes it unique and, and interesting and different for sure. All right. We got a. Take a break here in a little bit to have John Cannell on the show. But before we take that break, is there any other food trends of 2023 that Tyler Florence thinks are going to hit hard? Um, you know, there, there's there's so many, you know, interesting, like, new angles on it. And, and I, I'm really, really loving what's happening on social media, for better or for worse, right? Because I, I think you got to kiss a bunch of frogs sometimes to, to get some really good content. And but and, and some of it feels a little extreme, and we'll definitely kind of talk about that uh, with John coming up in the next segment. But I I think by and large, like like the the, the trend on on DIY uh, uh, media companies, like people doing the stuff at home and broadcasting, um, what what feels like not necessarily recipes, but kitchen wisdom, mm-hmm. like what works for you, right? Because you're seeing all the like you like people how they you know, can peel garlic using a butter knife or how yeah. they, how they, yeah, how they open up uh, an avocado by taking a spoon and popping the back of it or just, just like taking it. And all these like new, like, like, like tricks that are just like, why sometimes I'll look at that and go like, in a, never in a million years would I thought about that. Right. So I, I think as the internet opens up and, 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 and cameras get really, really great. And, you know, for the low, low cost of somebody investing in a, in a Joby tripod, um, people are turning their own kitchens and their own free time into for their side hustle into their main hustle. And that's just, you know, you know jump into the kitchen and, and doing it. And so like fulfilling that dream of being like, you know, like a television chef or a big TikTok influencer, and there's money to be made for sure. You know, as soon as the book deals start rolling in and the, the, the endorsements start rolling in, like people are doing it. And, and I think it's really kind of fun to watch. I, for one, and I'm learning a ton. I tried that garlic thing with the butter knife. It did not work. Oh, it didn't work. It, it didn't work for me. Like it yeah, did kind yeah. of get a little bit of it out, but and not not the way that like it happened in the TikTok video. But one that I did see that totally worked was we were making deviled eggs for Christmas morning. And I've always just cut the deviled eggs out and then you kind of pop out the the yolk. And the trend was is that you you kind of roll the knife over the egg and so you don't cut the yolk and so when you open it up it just falls out and it's super easy and that that one i was like wow tiktok's amazing tiktok's amazing another like like deviled egg trick i mean i i, I could talk about anything forever but like what, what one that i thought was really kind of interesting is like you so you you take you take um uh eggs right and so it's a it's a 12 minute um uh poach so it's not all the way firm hard cooked but it's got mm-hmm. it's a little soft a little pliable um still bright 
and and you take it in, and so instead of taking the egg yolks out you make an an uh, mayonnaise mixture and and then you actually just add a dollop of flavor profile to the top of the egg and and mm -hmm. you really don't even think about making the deviled egg mixture so once you pop it in your mouth it tastes the same anyway yeah so I thought that's that was just kind of wild. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at that. That's a very, very interesting take on a deviled egg that I learned from somebody on TikTok. I'm like, okay, I might be stealing that one. Yeah. And I by like the way, that. deviled eggs are delicious. They've been on our menu at Wafer Tavern since 2010. Like, I grew up in the South. Like, it just tastes like a church picnic to me. I love oh, yeah. them. Uh, we, we make them fancy at Wafer Tavern. We kind of change the flavor profile from time to time. And we'll do, like, you know, like Old Bay Fried Shrimp on top, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And at uh, and Miller and Lux, we put black truffle on top of them, which, which are, you know, pinkies out. Mm -hmm. Makes them nice. Yeah. Now, now I'm getting hungry. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have John Cannell. He's the founder of Preppy Kitchen. He's a food influencer and he's got a best selling book out. So he's awesome. But what's crazy about his story is that he didn't start out being a cook. He originally was a math teacher and a science teacher and pivoted over. Story's cool. You're going to want to hear it. We'll be back in just a bit right here on Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Two Dudes in a Kitchen, the one, the only, John Cannell, who's a cooking and baking expert, founder of Preppy Kitchen, a digital food and family-focused brand that empowers and inspires those who enjoy cooking at all skill levels. John founded the site Preppy Kitchen back in 2015, Immediate success, 8.5 million followers. John, welcome to the show. That is a lot of people who are watching you. I Right off the bat, I have to ask, how did you go from middle school math and <laughs> science teacher to food blogger? Well, it's a circuitous route, but I grew up in the kitchen with my mom, like so many of us, and my one real joy in life besides teaching was being in the kitchen, trying new flavors out and just like making food from the heart. My mom came from, or she comes from a really small village in Mexico and everything had to be fresh. So she brought this ethos of just like loving fresh food and being inventive and exploring new flavors uh, with her when she came to this country. And it's something that I took to heart and that helped me make Preppy Kitchen. <laughs> I guess, I guess you're still teaching effectively, but no more yeah. like student parent teacher conferences. <laughs> I think of it as a pivot. So like my husband encouraged me to like switch career paths over and I'm still teaching. I still have, you know, a lot of connections with people and it's just in a different environment about a different subject. I do wish so many times I could travel back in time to my classroom and bring my kitchen with me because there's so many practical applications of math and science that uh, are really hands-on and would be so great for kids. But, you know, that's another story. <laughs> I, I, I think in a lot of ways, like math makes sense in the kitchen. Yeah. If you have to explain math and not necessarily a formula, but a ratio, right? Then it really starts to make sense how, how you start to break things down they're part whole relationships. It's like big exactly, foundations exactly. of math that kids have so much problems with because they literally see like a fraction and they don't know what it means. They're like, well, it's a numerator, it's a denominator, but like, but what does that mean? <laughs> that was me yeah, 10 years it, ago. Yeah, put it in context, right? Which is great. Yeah. Also, I, I think that public speaking of uh, being in front of a classroom every single day kind of gave you, you know, the, the ability to stand up in front of a new classroom, obviously a much, much larger classroom. And, and, you know, deliver what you're doing, which is like a real passion. And this is something that I love about your story because um, so many people, I feel like have that, you know, that, that, that thing that they feel like who they really are as a person, you know, but need that encouragement to sort of like cross the line into a new world. And that can be scary. Am I right? To change careers like that? Yeah, it can definitely be scary. And you just have to put one foot in front of the other and... I think a lot of us tend to 
put our wants for another day. Like we think of what our best life can be and that's our future goal as opposed to like what we want to make for ourselves right now in this moment. It's like when I had mm-hmm. kids, my husband and I really thought about like, what do we want for our lives right now? Because every single moment with these children is passing by in an instant and, you know, putting it down the line, they'll be whole, they'll be like totally differently formed creatures by then. <laughs> so you got to like take that step right now. How old are your children? They're five. We have five-year-old twin boys. That's such a great age. Are they into cooking at all? They love cooking. So right now we're taking turns and every day one helps me win the kitchen with dinner. So they, they'll take turns. They'll make the salads with me, the dressings. They like know the steps now. I'm, I'm very proud of them because I'm a parent, of course. But, you know, like we're making pizza and they know like to do like little finger tests, see if the dough's ready and <laughs> uh, do all that stuff. So it's really fun for them. It's like the best bonding time too, because it's so hands-on. What recipes do you find yourself making the most with your children and then without? So with my children, besides any kind of dinner recipe or, you know, I can't have them in every single step, but we choose like adding the spices in or like making salad dressings or sauces, putting things into a bowl. Um, They stay away from the stove. And then for them, like when they're leading it, they love making pizza in on the weekend and any kind of stirred together recipes, like apple muffins, zucchini, all the muffins, a lot of like the basic sheet cakes they love helping with, especially if they're going to a party and we can bring something over and they helped to make it. The look of pride on their faces is like unmatched. It's huge. Yeah, I love that. All right. So it's a new year. There are some new trends. We were talking about it earlier in the show. What are some ingredients that are in season right now that you think are going to be big in 2023? You know, when I wrote my book, I arranged it by the season in large part because of this, because one, certain things you want to get in the summer, like I want summer sweet strawberries. I don't really want winter strawberries that look like strawberries on the outside, but they're white on the inside and have a different taste and texture. So yeah, you're getting the root vegetables, the apples, the pears, the oranges, but there's also like different vibes. Like for me right now, the trend is cozy season. I am looking for those richer sauces, a little heavier on like the pastas. Like there's a mushroom bolognese in the book. And, you know, the kids are home right now. We're making some time to like actually make pasta by hand, which is really fun to do. And uh, then you make these sauces that kind of simmer away for a long time that could be even better the next day. And it's all, um, it's all just like kind of cozy nesting moments. Soup season. It really is. <laughs> Big time. I love that. So you're this kind of like massive food blogger and you You've been seeing this uh, on TikTok and on Instagram, like a lot of the younger generation kind of pursuing this career as a food influencer. I guess my question is, is what advice do you have for those that want to kind of pursue what you're doing? Well, so many of them are doing an amazing job. I would give them a pat on the back, first of all, because people who are in this generation now are just intuitive technology users. So a lot of it's coming natural, but If you wanted to get started, number one, get started. Just start doing it. You're not going to be great the first time. Don't look for like massive success or viral success instantly. Just start doing it so you can understand one, what your real passion is, two, like what you need to do, like where are your areas of growth? Because you're not going to know that just like planning it out. And then have fun with it. Don't look at the numbers. Just it's a fun exercise. It's something you're passionate about. Just dive in. 
Yeah, every video is going to get better, right? Yes, every every TikTok, every post is going to get yeah. better as you go. If you go back to the back, the back, the back, the back of my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed or whatever, oh my gosh, there's some rough times, but I did it anyways. <laughs> yeah, I did, just just get started. Just put something up there, even if it's a, a more of a vlog uh, about yeah. what you what you cook on a daily basis. It doesn't necessarily have to be so deeply entwined in a recipe per se. As you start to kind of grow with your broadcast, but then also think about recipe writing too, because a lot of people um, have a passion for cooking per se, but not necessarily the technical expertise of writing recipes. And that I think people have to get really good at uh, to sort of take it to scale to, you know, obviously write a, write a best-selling book like the one you have on the, on your back counter. Uh, like the, the, there's a skill that comes along with perfecting the craft of writing recipes. Yeah. It's really about writing and that's where, being a teacher kind of came in handy because I was used to writing lessons and then I got to understand oh, this is a mini lesson about food. So let's make it concise, clear to the point. Like people are in the grocery store looking on their phones, just get into it. Don't talk about the family history and like why I love this recipe. It's so personally important to me. Like what are the ingredients? What do you need? How, how long will this take you? All that stuff. All right. So let, let's, let's play a quick little game on pass fail. Okay on like I think TikTok recipe trends. What uh trends would you give a path to and what trends would you give a you know maybe they need some some more research on? Oh just in general. The ones I would give a fail to are the ones that are just going for shock value with like weird like I saw one like a pie dish and people someone's pouring vodka in there and then like a soda and marshmallows. It was just like just weird for the sake of weird as opposed to like something that's like a genuine taste of. One trend I really love that I'm getting served a lot is uh, cooking from family cookbooks. So there's like my hundred year old great grandmother's recipe book and people are just cooking their way through. And there's some really interesting recipes like from the depression when they didn't have certain ingredients at hand or just like different tastes. So like, you know, so many aspic things, so many jello things uh, that I find personally interesting because I love history and I love the history of food. Uh, and that really is mm -hmm. Yeah, my brother put together, I'm Portuguese, and my brother put together all the old recipes from my grandma and great grandma. And they're this they're so simple. Yeah. Um, but like if for whatever reason, like her her supa still like reminds me of like being sick and you know, uh healing me up and stuff. And it's just so funny. Yeah, those old recipes are 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 very, very nuts and bolts, very simple, but so freaking good. It's that the simplicity, the ingredients, and also the nostalgia. There's, I have a recipe in the book. Mm -hmm. It's lemono, which is a Greek uh, lemony egg chicken soup, which is Greek magic in a bowl if you're ever sick. And it, one, it's delicious and nourishing. But because I had it growing up, it's just like the most amazing thing and brings back all these memories from childhood. So I love that we can incorporate family history in our recipes and that that's being you know, promoted and shared. And I think that's a that's a great way to start if you're out there in the blog world is to not necessarily, you know, think about the wild, the wider universe of food, but really kind of look in your own backyard, look at your own historical background. Um, there's so much information there to jump into and really kind of tell your story. And that's what it's going to make you look and feel authentic. And people love that. And if it's difficult for you to, like, put the camera up to your face, because it is for a lot of us. Do something with your family. Grab a brother or sister or your mom or grandma and just make something in the kitchen and you're going to be more at ease and also have like a font of expertise next to you that can help, mm -hmm. help carry you through.
You can also right. do do the over uh, over the pan shot where your face isn't even in it. I've seen a, so many of those that are that do really really well. And it's almost like ASMR cooking, mm -hmm. and yeah. Okay, last yeah. question for you, John. Um, desert Island question. You have okay. one meal to eat for the rest of your life. What are you making? Oh, gosh. I'm going to go for a nostalgia factor, and it's going to be my great-grandfather's roasted Greek chicken, which is like full of oregano and like drenched in olive oil and lemon with a spicy tomato orzo, a really just simple Greek salad. And for dessert, for dessert, I'm going to have uh, a lemon olive oil cake. Nice. <laughs> Love that. That sounds so delicious. That would be my wife's favorite thing in the world. Um, okay, John, thank you so much for spending some time with us on uh, Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Where can everyone uh, find out more about you? Where can they get your book? All that stuff. The book's available wherever books are sold. And find me on PreppyKitchen.com, PreppyKitchen on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, the rest. Amazing. John, thank you so much. Um, and I guess try to stay warm over there in Connecticut, man. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations on all your success, my friend. You're a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Of course, man. See you, bud. See ya. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. He's fun. I, I love the historical background. Like his grandmother is from Mexico and it sounds like his grandfather was Greek. That, Greek, yeah. That could have been a good story. Like, but how did they meet? Yeah, exactly. How their pals cross? Yeah. And like, what is, what are those dishes, those amalgamated dishes look like now where you, you've mixed, you know, Mexican and Greek together? All right, dude. Uh, Tyler, it's good to see you, man. Um, Happy New Year, fun. my friend. Yeah, always. So good to see you. Yeah. And don't forget to follow us uh, on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. That's where kind of all the information and all the clips are. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs> we'll take that. And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.